Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back, Julie. It is February the 16th. So we've got several things that we want to share with our listeners today. And you did send me an article. It's no sense in really talking too much about this, but from uh, Inman News Features that Brad wrote, uh, I think it was released this morning. And the essence of the article was, don't blame Zillow, blame your leaders. And he was uh, basically confronting the industry's reaction to Zillow acquiring showing time. Mm -hmm. And I know you had some coaching calls today and people are talking about it and all the rest of it. And I, I mean, I read the whole article and I know why you wanted to talk about it. But really, at the end of the day, I just feel like it's sort of moving things around on the plate. There's no new news there. Not really. Because ultimately, what this is going to create, it's going to uh, you know put rocket fuel under the um, existing showing time competitors. There's a number mm-hmm. of other companies that yes, basically Yes, they were offer. not the only game. In the, exactly. Mean, just change if you want to change. Right. I, and I think some agents always get a little bit upset when they're being forced to change. I think part of that's an element of this. But yeah, showing time isn't the only thing to use. No, it isn't. And you'll see other alternatives basically uh, create their own, you know, essentially showing widgets. But to uh, Brad's article, the essence of his article was, what you know, industry or agents in particular, stop getting pissed off at Zillow. Zillow is just basically being an opportunistic company and that totally makes sense. And they're being, you know, they're being competitive and they're wanting to dominate the real estate space. That is the nature of capitalism and being a competitive company, you know. And And it was just a teeny bit predictable too. You know, what, buying the, showing time? No, no I mean, the agent Zillow reaction? doing what it's doing oh, yeah, and growing yeah, sure. and, you know, trying to run good business products. Well, Zillow has to. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, that's how companies grow. You cannot right. stay stagnant. You cannot stay complacent. But what I took away from Brad's article was the, I think, the huge disparity that's starting to happen in, in the overall industry that agents who even knowingly have been fueling the uh, dragon of Zillow for all these years buying leads are now really starting to lament their past decisions because they're realizing mm-hmm. that Zillow's mission always has been, even though it hasn't necessarily been a direct course to get there, to essentially disintermediate agents, to that's put right. agents out of business. And to replace agents with a new model. And, of course, they did what all these tech companies did back starting about you know, 10, 15 years ago. They're always acting like they're consumer advocates. Mm-hmm. Somehow they're going to you know, take this closely held information and data away from these legacy companies that were trying to keep consumers at arm's length so they would always have to use um, you know, their intermediaries to you know, real estate agents in, in this particular example, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you know, the truth is, is that Zillow as always was just essentially being opportunistic and looking for the compl- and taking advantage of the complacency in our sure. industry. And that's what Brad's article was about, basically. Yes. And I think he made some fair points about that. The agents that are up in arms the most are the ones that you and I would perhaps define as one-spoke wonders, where they yep. became too dependent on it. And when somebody changes the rules, they feel it. You know, I mean, I think the agents that maybe dabbled in Zillow, but were not dependent on it, this is not really a big story for them because they have multiple spokes of income. If you were super dependent and now you're like, 
panic. I see it on the realtor boards, them freaking out. Oh, yeah. But so worrying about the decisions that were made before, frankly, probably everybody listening to this podcast and everyone reading that article was even in real estate yeah. is re- it's just silly. Mm-hmm. You, what you've got to be focusing on now, guys, if you just want to essentially clear your heads about all this, is Zillow is going to do what Zillow is going to do. And the question is, is how are you going to uh, essentially react? But reacting almost is the wrong thing to say. What are you doing now to prepare yourself for essentially whatever, you know, black swans might happen in the economy, but also what how the competitive landscape might change? And if, if I guess my translation of Brad's article was, if you keep doing what you're going to do, you're going to keep getting what you're going to get. And your competitors are always going to just naturally look for your weak spots. I mean, it's like Jurassic sure. Park and the dinosaurs always mm-hmm. looking for, you know, the 40 yeah. foot tall electrified fence, but they're always going to find little weak spot. Mm-hmm. That is the nature of uh, free markets. That's the nature of competition. And that's what you should be doing. You shouldn't be waiting around for your broker to supply you with leads. You shouldn't be waiting around for your, you know, this sort of uh, these situations to happen that are going to magically clear away all the cobwebs of your business and create these magical, mystical solutions. You've got to be an entrepreneur and you've got to take responsibility for your own destiny. And I'll just bottom line it for you. If I are, you know, an agent and I are feeling a little bit insecure about the uh, very realistic possibility that Zillow is going to be reducing buyer agent commissions. They're going to be changing consumer expectations for what an agent's actually going to be, uh, frankly, paid. If I were really worried about that, I am probably worried about that because I'm too dependent on buyers, for one. I'm not a listing agent. And number two, and I'm sorry just to be, I'm not sorry about it because the bottom line is, is this is what we actually think. I would absolutely be joining eXp Realty. And here's why. There are no other brokerages that I know about, uh, have no of, there might be some, but they just haven't announced it yet, that are forming their own nationwide com- competitor to essentially Zillow and Realtor.com. And that's what EXP's Realty is doing. I've heard stories, wink, wink, that they have a teams of developers now that are taking um, this, I think it was Showcase IDX, mm-hmm. to uh, coast-to-coast real estate markets, which means in essence, as an uh, EXP agent, you're going to have a consumer portal like imagine if you were an EXP agent and, you know, let's say, for example, EXP had bought Zillow, right? And I know that doesn't necessarily work because EXP is worth $9 billion and Zillow is worth 30 But let's just say they had. As an EXP agent, how badass would it be to have Zillow or have a search, search portal that's just proprietary to your particular brand, in this case, EXP? Well, that's what EXP is going to do. That is what they said they're going to do. And based on their ability to, you know, essentially implement, I would not bet against them. And EXP, the other thing, the other advantage that... Um, um, yeah, I'm sorry, Zillow has in the marketplace is a very well-established, albeit um, it seems very uh, profit law, or I'm sorry, a cash flow losing um, iBuyer program. And eXp has the same thing. And so the iBuyer widget, when it rolls into your marketplace that Zillow is offering, Zillow Homes, or no, Zillow Offers, right? I, and I, you know, and, let, and agents love to get stuck on the fact that Zillow's losing money on every transaction. And Mike Delpreet, I think, wrote an absolutely amazing article. I forget where I read it, and I exchanged emails with him. He lives in New Zealand, by the way, Julie, mm-hmm. where your family's mm-hmm. mostly from. And anyway, so he was uh, did the math and really deep dived into the financials of Zillow and Open Door, and they're losing tens of thousands of dollars per transaction, and yet their company is still the value of the company is still increasing. Why? Uh, well, aside from the 
irrational exuberance of the stock market right now um, for, you know, essentially from all the economic stimulus. Aside from that, it's because people believe that Zillow long term is going to be the most dominant brand in the real estate brokerage business. Why right now? It's because not because they're making profit, but because they've proven their ability to implement on these big ideas. And one of which obviously is, you know, the original one is the search portal, which is, I think everyone will agree, the best search portal in at least the United States for looking at houses, certainly better than realtor.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the next thing that they really implemented, and I'm not even going to you know refer to their, how they monetized it through selling buyer leads, but if you look at uh, what they're doing with the iBuyer widget, the iBuyer widget is going to be something that's going to be ultimately very disruptive in whatever incarnation it finally evolves into. And if you're an agent and you're at a brokerage that does not offer an iBuyer widget, which by the way, only eXp as far as I know does, you are, how are you going to be relevant? If you're going a meeting with even your best, closest, best friend, center of influence, past client, you sit next to him in church every Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. You share a Bible. You guys get what I'm saying? They are going to get an ad, a solicitation from Zillow that's offering to save them the hassle of having to sell the house through the traditional pathways. And they're going to then hypothetically, you know, at least consider selling the house to Zillow, which will take you out of the running because you don't have a similar widget unless you're an EXP agent. And then, you know, you have all the other advantages of being an EXP. So EXP is a technology company. And I think what you're going to see, and you're seeing it in the um, public markets, frankly, um, with the value of EXPI, the the, uh, share price, EXP is going to be valued as a tech company like Zillow. And by the way, EXP is profitable as in genuinely making money uh, with no debt. And Zillow is losing money consistently, quarter after quarter. Don't, you know, when they go and talk about what their gross revenue was, which I think is awesome that, the, you know, only Mike Dupree really has been making a thing of this, is it's so fascinating to me. Zillow is going to brag about their gross value of all the, rev, you know, the revenue, their revenue statements are based on the value of all the homes they sold, not the profit they made on the homes they sold because they didn't make any profit. So they're going to go out and buy, you know, a hundred million dollars for the houses. And then they're going to sell a hundred million, you know, and hopefully sell them for more than a hundred million because they're flipping them supposedly, right? Yes. You know, supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah. And uh, then they're going to report that their revenue was a hundred and let's say $10 million, you know, with the margins that they made on the houses. Is that really what the margins were? Is that, that has, isn't that funny? So they're able to report these revenue uh, numbers and then Wall Street for the most part saying, holy tamale, look at Zillow. They're producing all this new revenue from yeah, this home no. flipping thing. Even though I think Mike Dupreet says they're li- losing on average something like $45,000 per house or something like that. When you look at the blended costs associated with the, um, you know, with the flips and, and they're basing their valuation on a beta, which doesn't take into consideration the cost of the money. And his, I think his theory was they're paying at least 6% for the money. So, I mean, the whole thing is just preposterous, I think. But bottom line is, is if you're a real estate agent and you want to be relevant, you better be aligning with a brokerage that's going to get you way past the end zone, right? Into the next game. Cause that's where, that's where the industry has evolved to, evolved to, not evolving to. Um, and you, you got to stop fighting it and you got to stop complaining about decisions that were made by national social Association of Realtors uh, back in the 90s about, you know, Realtor.com and all that. you got to stop worrying about, um, you know, any there, there's going to be no change in behavior from any of these big established legacy entities in the real estate industry. So stop even having them on your 
uh, stop even thinking about them as any sort of savior to you. You've got to be your own savior and start by making the right choice and joining the right brokerage. And if you guys want to join Julie and I at eXp Realty, of course, we'd love to talk with you about that. You can text me directly at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. So that was my summary yes. of the article. Well, and <laughs> I have to point out to you every time we talk about this topic, because you know we, we talk about stuff that's on your guys' minds. Um, we have to point out the fact that this is, it's not really about whether Zillow's, you know, got great offers and going to get all those sellers bought up. No, it's a lead generation tool, guys. You want to be with a company where you can say, well, yes, I can bring you an instant offer. I'll have one by, you know, this evening at 6 p.m. It's not with your money. And then they're either going to take it or they're not. They're probably not. But the point is that you want to still get those leads, right? I mean, the, the, you said they're not going to be change their behavior. I would say the behavior that those big companies are going to change is that they will be in your backyard one day and that you will see Zillow homes on real estate signs and those will be run by employee agents and they are actively trying to drive down your buyer side commission. Well, take it out probably. You, would you be possibly even take it out because, yep. you know, because I mean, they can, right? Especially knowing that a, a majority of agents are buyer's agents, right? And so they don't have any backbone in terms of listing inventory or knowing their, you know, their magic number. Thus, they can mess, wiggle with your commission all they want because you and have another choice. And yeah, that's right. And you're, or guess what? Uh, it's almost like it's, they're designing a system so that you will not want to show it because the commission is less so that your buyer will then go directly to them so they can capture both sides of the transaction and possibly pick up that buyer's listing. Yeah, all bad for you. Right. And you guys are saying, oh, that's not how real estate's done in my marketplace. It doesn't matter. That's how real estate's going to be done in the future. We are facing as an industry, um, you know, this is a transformative opportunity and, and chances are most the brokerages, frankly, and the business models out there, they're not going to want to evolve because they have too much invested in the way things were. All the while, consumer expectations for how um, they want consumers want to interact with real estate brokerages and, and the transacting of homes, that's already changed. And yet we're all still trying to hold on to the ways that things were being done. And Zillow is using that opportunity as, you know, it's an opportunity opportunity. Uh, for them to essentially give the consumers what they're already saying that they want. And if we don't do that as an industry, we don't deserve to be in business. We don't deserve to serve the customers because we're not giving the customers what they truthfully want. And just to draw a line under the way that EXP's iBuyer widget works is that you bring the house that you are thinking, like you're going to a listing presentation. Let's say you're being compared to you know, Zillow offers. And uh, you can then bring that consumer, that home seller, an offer through your EXP iBuyer widget. And if the iBuyer, if the consumer wants to take the offer, they're just going to look at both net offers and decide which one they want to accept. And if they end up accepting the one from your company, from EXP, then you will then get the a commission on selling the house to the iBuyer. And when the house is flipped, you get the listing again. Okay, you guys get it? That's all the, better. All better. And think how much more confident that's going to give you when you're competing with other, um, you know, essentially iBuyers. But how about even if you're in one of these markets that won't necessarily see a lot of iBuyer activity? Doesn't it make you feel more confident knowing that you'd have that extra tool in your toolbox to satisfy the seller and, yes, make yourself more competitive against your other traditional agents? Guys, you got to think bigger because the world has already changed and it's just a function of whether or not you're going to be left behind. And as I, you know, as Julie and I rant and rave, about these types of things. I always just wonder to myself how many agents are just thinking that somehow it's not going to apply to them and then somehow, you know, basically they, you know, frankly lose a decade or lose 20 years or they find themselves 
losing confidence in themselves because everything seems harder. If you're finding that your efforts, the, the things that you were doing like five years ago or even three years ago to create business and do transactions, if you're finding it doesn't work as well, it's because the marketplace has changed and you haven't kept up with it. So what I want to still talk about today, if you don't mind, mm -hmm. okay, is I want to talk about, uh, so social media. Now, Julie and I's stance on social media has always been very clear. Well, you have to do your thing at one o'clock. Yes, just yeah. to make sure we have I know. time. Don't worry. Make sure right. everything's working. We all, we're yeah. fine. Okay. I won't talk right. too much. Right. I promise. Mm -hmm. I'll try not to. We'll you can kick me. <laughs> I'll get the hook. <laughs> all right. So our stance on social media is, is fairly straightforward. We want you to be proactive lead generation-based marketing enhanced. And I just get that concept in your head. So we want you to learn how to basically be a proactive lead generator and then enhance your proactive lead generation with marketing. In this case, uh, social social media. And now the thing about uh, the, and again, we're not going to get on a soapbox here, but the mistake that most agents make, and it's, it's easy to make this mistake, is they're not doing it in the right order. They are going and spending a lot of time on social media and they're never learning how to be proactive lead generators. And then they're struggling and going out of business and because they're focusing on the wrong, the, the end result is basically focusing on the wrong goal. They wanna be successful, they wanna make effort, they're just not making the right efforts and not moving towards the actual accomplishment of a specific goal. You guys got into real estate, why? You got into real estate for a whole bunch of reasons, but the biggest one was is you wanted to make money, right? You wanted to make profit, you wanted to become financially independent, successful, you wanted to be your own boss. But at the end of the day, what you really want is you wanted to have the sense of freedom. And that sense of freedom comes, I think, in mass once you actually have, uh, you know, you're rich. Where your money works for you, you no longer work for your money. So if your ultimate goal and the reason that you took the risk of becoming a real estate agent and, be, you know, essentially 100% commission business, that's you have to be somewhat of a weirdo to do that, right? Normal people don't take that kind of risk. Nope. Well, so... Why did you do it? Did you do it to become a social media influencer, hoping and praying that one day you'd be able to monetize it? Why did you do it? Did you do it because you wanted a bunch of awards and plaques? Why did you do it? Did you do it because you could have a big team that you could essentially peacock around and make you feel important, um, You know, giving you recognition from strangers because somehow you look so successful? Or did you do it ultimately, or will you eventually evolve to realize you're, you originally did it, to have financial independence? Because ultimately, guys, if you do not have a business whose product uh, mission is to uh, create profit, you won't create profit. The idea that you're going to have a business that is going to produce enough revenue, and with that revenue, you'll have enough profit is asinine. You have to basically build all business models around the profit margin first, and then essentially backfill it with how you're going to go about accomplishing the goal. Otherwise, you'll have no profit. And this is the reason that the industry and agents and teams love to brag about their units, their dollar volume. I'd like to make a, a new rule that you have to, if you're going to, you know, essentially, if we're going to honor you in the halls of real estate success, it's because you have the highest net margins or you have the highest net profit specifically. That would be something to celebrate because the profit margin is the litmus test for how efficient you are at serving customers, how efficient you are with your skill set, but also most importantly, how efficient you are at running a entrepreneurial minded, you know, profit driven business. Sure. And, and not a hobby business. Right. And with that money, then you can reinvest it and you can become rich and rich is where you're simply your money works for you. You no longer have to work for your money. So what we're going to talk to you guys about is essentially a very simple um, five-day social media uh, schedule, which Julie has created. But before we do, remember, it's not too late for you to complete your 2021 real estate business plan. And that is your, it's called Real Estate Treasure Map, and it is essentially a fill-in-the-blank business plan. This is not some wimpy one-pager. This is multiple pages. So those of you who are just looking for a, you know, essentially a little homework assignment or a little art project, this ain't it. 
This is, I think, it's 60 or 70 pages. Yes. It's a fill-in-the-blank, comprehensive, really forcing you to be introspective about what your true goals in life are. A goal is a dream with an action plan that's written down regularly, right? So what you're going to do when you're creating your goals are you're, you're actually going to create many action plans behind every goal. And then, sure enough, you're going to see yourself accomplishing them. Guess what? This marks the month and about the time of month where most people give up on their New Year's resolutions. If you feel like you're giving up on your New Year's resolutions, it's because you probably did not create a plan. It's not too late for you. Just text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Text 2021, the numbers 2021 to 855-685-1045. When you do, we're going to text you back a link. And with that link, then you can obviously complete the real estate treasure map. We're also including six other books, including Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate Agents, which is a version of Napoleon Hill's public domain book, Think and Grow Rich, and a whole bunch of other great stuff too. You get all this for free. There's no strings attached. Just text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Yes. I'm not sure I can do this in five or 10 minutes. No, I don't expect you to. We can introduce it though. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about your Monday through Friday social media system. In other words, you're going to create a uh, system where you're basically doing the same things week over week. So on Monday, you're always going to do the same type of post. Tuesday, the same type of post. And the point of that is to stop over-engineering this stuff. Don't pay somebody else to do this for you. We want you to keep it simple. The only things to remember in the rules, there's two things. One is it has to be something of value. It can't just be fluff. It can't just be, you know, something that you found and reposted. Okay. And it has to have a call to action. A call to action is asking somebody to do something. If you don't have the call to action, you're kind of like a public service announcement. So what she's going to do is she's going to give you uh, the Monday and maybe the Tuesday suggested social media content posts, but you can use a system called Hootsuite. Um, it sounds exactly like, it's spelled exactly like it sounds. And then you can actually use Hootsuite to automate all your uh, posting. So if you have, you know, you should have social media, like where should you have social media profiles or accounts set up? And that is important because when someone Googles your name, that's what's going to generally speak and come up first, assuming you don't have a bunch of other stuff on the internet. So you want to have profiles that are the same on every profile and they have to since you're a professional do not make them look like you know you're going to the clubs you got to make them look oh, professional yeah. <laughs> so have a profile a professional picture it could just be with your iphone it doesn't really matter don't overanalyze this um and then the profile itself has to be consistent for every single social media outlet and the ones that you definitely want to consider having are frankly the ones that have the most google juice that would be facebook uh linkedin um, and then, frankly, if you wanted to choose to have a Twitter profile, those usually come up fairly well. But what I'm seeing a lot is also having a YouTube channel where at least you have a robust profile is also very, very powerful. But you can, so what happens is Julie's going to give you some suggested ideas for what to actually talk about every single day. So you're creating consistency, but you can use Hootsuite to syndicate the posts. In other words, you put it into Hootsuite once and Hootsuite then syndicates it or publishes it on all these other platforms for you. And you don't actually have to take all the extra time to do it. The total amount of time you should be spending on what we're suggesting that you do here is maybe, maybe 15 minutes a day. Yeah. Yeah, and so what you're saying, Hootsuite makes it so that you do your piece of content and then it automatically populates right. all of your different social right. media. Right, and it'll do it with which, video or Which is do convenient. With, totally. But also, I like it from a coaching standpoint because of what you said, making it all really consistent so you still look like the same person, you've got the same uh, profile, you know, your same professional look and feel. 
versus kind of, you know, doing one thing over here on Instagram, but you look like a different person on Facebook. And this one's personal, but that one's with your dog. And, you know, it's just kind of shotgun. It's also worth mentioning, too, that as the um, social media in general and life in general becomes more saturated, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're having to compete against more everything, voices, people, you know, everything, everything, every place you go, it's a constant stream of never ending noise is the more, and this word is used all too often, and frankly, it's a little annoying for me to even hear myself saying it, but the more authentic you are, the more you're going to actually enjoy or not, um, (laughs) frankly, (laughs) not hate hate doing social media, and you're going to want to do it. And by authentic, I mean talk about, be just be yourself. Don't create this avatar of yourself for social media because then you won't ever actually, um, you won't feel comfortable and your authentic self won't come out in what you're trying to say. And that means literally talking about or just sharing things that are interesting to you. And you'll find that you will, even if uh, you're uh, you know, essentially attracting people that aren't necessarily um, interested in, let's say, you like to, you know, what would be something that you like to do, Julie? Uh, I French Bulldog Rescue. Okay, there you go. But the very fact that Julie's talking about French Bulldog Rescue is going to, um, you know, show her in the light that she is. It kind of gives you a little window into her soul. And that's versus if she was worried about being overpersonal on her social media and she was only talking about, say, for example, real estate stats, then that wouldn't necessarily have the same effect. But the key is to mix it up with the professional and with the personal because nowadays what people are attracted to is a little bit of what Julie and I, I think, truthfully, in our generation feels a little oversharing. Probably. But that's the expectation on social media that you're Without oversharing. overdoing it. You know? Yeah, yeah. So what I always say to kind of keep this um, on an even keel is be yourself and then be yourself talking about real estate, right? Mm-hmm. So just because you're in real estate and you're trying to do professional posts does not mean that that is the only thing you're allowed to talk about. You can talk about like what I would do if I were talking about, um, you know, French Bulldog Rescue is maybe I would also mention... Well, I have a special program called Buy or Sell with Me and Adopt a Pet for Free. Or maybe I'll donate to Frenchie Rescue in your name. You know, you can tie those things together and still be your authentic self. And when I say don't take it too far, you know, you don't want to, like, let's say you went out drinking with your friends on Friday. That's taking it too far on most of your posts, right? Maybe not on your personal page, but on everything else. Right. And you, I also suggest, and, and Julie and I, are, I think we're... I 100% right about this, is you guys should definitely, if given the opportunity, and it's not publicly available yet, uh, have a profile set up on Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And the uh, social, the audio, I forget what the new term is, but basically social media obviously has been textual mostly, text and you know updating your Facebook feed and doing things like that, and then YouTube videos, and then you, you guys are familiar with all this. And Instagram obviously is videos, but mostly pictures. And then you have uh, you know other things that are videos. But what you're seeing now is the emergency emergence of the spoken word as being the dominant way of essentially, um, you know, spreading social media. And I think that's going to, it doesn't make sense to me that that won't soon become the preferred way for people to communicate because it's more collaborative. It's like, and and I, again, I'm uh, studying Clubhouse and and paying attention to what's happening in the conversations that are happening. And I think it's really fascinating because it's it's clear to me that it is going to be something that everyone is going to be attracted to over time as it sort of works itself out. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to, every one of these other existing legacy platforms, Facebook, Twitter, all of them, they're going to emulate uh, Clubhouse for sure. Yes. And they're going to have their own little uh, audio, drop-in audio conversations that are going on. If you guys don't know what Clubhouse is, just Google it. But it's going to be something that all of us are going to, 
be able to frankly take advantage of because it's essentially new technology. And if you do get somebody to send you, and unfortunately I'm out of them, if you can get someone to send you an invitation to Clubhouse, definitely do it and definitely set up your profile. And then we're going to talk about on future podcasts how you actually might, like, you know, a Clubhouse, again, Google it so I don't have to describe it, but in, you, there's videos on showing, you know, on YouTube how to use it and all that. But the thing that I like about it ultimately is that you won't have to worry about necessarily being uh, suffocated or drowned out by existing. Like if you want to start a YouTube channel today and you want to start essentially reinforcing your proactive lead generation with videos about the various neighborhoods in your community and all that, the probability of you getting anyone seeing your videos is about zero because it's oversaturated. You have too much, too many competitors, too many people that have been doing it for too long at too high of a level. And the same thing goes for a lot of the other forms of social media. So there's that. And at least YouTube creates legacy content that people can refer back to, same as a podcast. But a lot of this other social media stuff, and including Clubhouse that I dislike, is the fact that it's one and done. When you put up a tweet or whatever, or you know Instagram post, it's basically done. You're gone. It's out. It's it's forgotten about forever. And the idea that you're going to be posting a whole bunch of and what if the social media channel itself, uh, you know, changes the rules or changes the algorithm or doesn't like you know whatever, it, it tries to make it so that you now have to post uh, pay a huge amount of money to post. It goes back to what we talked about last week. Ultimately, and again, the reason that we're proactive lead generation first, marketing enhanced, is because what a lot of you guys are doing, the mistake you're ultimately making with social media, is you're building your castle on someone else's land. I mean, that's really the simplest way of understanding it. When you are doing a whole bunch of social media stuff, you're ultimately, you're going to build, you're going to spend a whole bunch of time building this big, beautiful house. And at the end, of the end of the day, you don't own the land. And that means that at any time you can lose possession of your house because the landholder could just essentially take it back. And that's what the mistake that ultimately you have to be taking into consideration before you decide to do things the wrong order, which is marketing-based and prospecting-enhanced. You want to do prospecting-based and marketing-enhanced. Absolutely. So I think we wanted to roll out the day-by-day starting tomorrow, but get ready to take notes tomorrow. So we're going to talk about things like uh, Market Update Monday. This is I'm just going to give them a little prequel. One of the things that we know from almost all types of marketing that people will keep and refer to are market updates so that they can compare month over month, quarter over quarter, and year over year. Especially if you're maybe thinking about selling this year or next year, you're going to see, is the market still climbing? Is it starting to level out? Is my price range hot, but the one above me is not? So I want and, to be careful. But most importantly, the people that pay attention to those are the people that are thinking about selling in, That's 90, what I'm saying. in 90 days or less. Yes, they're watching what's going on. They're right. actually looking for comps. You and I can recall many listing appointments where people kept that information, and sometimes they even made their own spreadsheet out of it. They did. Right? And so our perception a lot of times was, oh, you know, that was just nothing's coming of that. Well, that's when we used to do postcards, we would do just list and sold sold postcards, but Mm -hmm. we quickly learned that just listed postcards were pretty much a waste of money. It's the solds that matter. It's the solds that matter. And then our sold postcard, it was double-sided and one side was the sold house and the other side was exactly what Julie's saying, the market statistics. And they would save that market data and we tracked essentially when we get a call out on a listing appointment of someone that, you know, maybe it was just strictly from the postcard. Didn't happen often, but if it did, what we'd learn is that they were essentially knew that they were going to be putting the house for sale. They've been mm-hmm. essentially going through the pro- their mental sort of checklist of what they had to do to prepare the house. The last thing being, you know, go through the arduous path, uh, you know, process of hiring a realtor, you know, and in that, uh, in that 
learning circle that we, they would discover who they wanted to hire, oftentimes based on how the quality and the information that the agent was willing to provide. And that also ultimately goes back to the way you've got to be remembering uh, to uh, really make yourself appear on social media. And if you're not providing very high quality content, if it's just basically entertainment, um, yeah. then you're not going to attract the types of serious sellers that you want to be attracting. Do you know, to the bottom line point being the most serious people are going to be paying attention to market statistics when they're about maybe 90 days out from actually putting their houses for sale. Yeah, These are, you know, the leads that you want, the ones that are really motivated, who will allow you to price it the right way, who will also do the staging with you and be coachable. These are the best listing clients. That's who you want to uh, attract with this. So I have a homework assignment for all of them because yes. now they're like, well, that's going to take forever to put that kind of information together. No. Fortunately for all of you, your uh, boards of realtors do this for you. They, it could be embedded in your junk mail, right? You might not have ever opened their market updates, but most of the boards put out these beautiful charts and graphs and they compare, I call it what's hot and what's not. You know, if everything in your market under 350 is selling and then once you go up to 550, it's not, it's going to show it on that chart. So their homework assignment is to find that information because I guarantee you it's sitting there in your email and know how to access that on a, it's almost always sent out on a monthly basis. Right. Oh, but there's also a crap ton of SA, mm-hmm. uh, you know, software as a service providers mm-hmm. that are uh, doing very similar, you know, content yeah. distribution. But here's where the, you know, the landmine is going to be. Agents are going to overanalyze this and make it too yeah, complicated. Do that. That's why I'm having it done, you know, find it already done for you. Right. And all the consumers really want is they want to know basically is my house worth more than it was yesterday. Yeah. And how fast, yes, so. how fast is it probably going to sell so that I can organize my move? Right. Days on the market, basically, uh, you know, price appreciation or inflation trajectory, those, that type of analytical data is all they really want to know um, so they can get their wheels spinning and thinking about their home's value. So yeah, we'll pick up tomorrow. We'll give them mm-hmm. more drilled down plan yep. of what they should be doing every Perfect. single day as far as social media. But guys, I want you to go back to what we talked about. The two things really that are important from today's show is number one, you got to be, you have already have to be on your way to thinking about how you're going to keep yourself relevant in the eyes of the consumer's uh, in the future, in the future is now. Okay. So I would strongly suggest all of you take a hard look at eXp Realty and text me directly if you're interested in uh, becoming and having Julie and I sponsor you at eXp, 512-758-0206. Number two, you definitely need to be thinking in terms of having a prospecting-based, marketing-enhanced business. That is the way that, uh, frankly, you can always, you can control your output. You can con- you can control what you do. You can control with your skill set the results that you get. You can't do that if you're a marketing-based uh, business. And marketing-based businesses are always going to, the only solution to slow business cycles in a marketing-based business is spend more money. That's it. That's what they're always going to tell you. Spend more money. And wait. And wait. Spend more money and wait. Right. That is not a way to build a predictable, profitable business to build a predictable, profitable business in real estate. You should be prospecting based and marketing enhanced. Now, some of you will build brilliant prospecting based businesses and never want to uh, enhance it with marketing. And by the way, Julie and I started as a prospecting based business, proactively generation based business, became a prospecting based marketing enhanced business. And then as we saw our revenues increased, our home sales increased, but our profit margins dropped. Guess what we did? We we went back to being almost strictly, uh, you know, prospecting base and our profit margins shot back up again. Yeah. Mystery of mysteries. Oddly enough. Right? And this is when we sold real estate back in the 90s. And all those rules still apply. But yeah, that's the funny thing. And, well, you know, it I, applies even more because they have so many more things to spend money on. It's ridiculous. The, the other thing I read today, which was kind of like funny how, you know, silly it is. But the idea that this person was trying to convey that you start prospecting 
And then what your, your goal is to get to the point where you have enough, essentially, centers of influence and past clients and branding that the business then you can just market and then never have to prospect again. I know. I know that's out there. I hear that all the time. That's I, like that's yeah. like saying you're going to go to the gym for six months and you're going to reach a physical level and then somehow magically your body's going to stay at that level. So so at that point, you can eat tacos again. Exactly. No, 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 no. no. It's so stupid. <laughs> no. It's like it's trying to feed into your desire to be complacent. Don't believe it, guys. That's just a bunch of hooey. I so, know. Yeah. You always... I, I've got seven minutes to go. So. Oh, you do? Yeah. Crap. You start in seven minutes? Yeah. Uh-oh. I, I broke my rule and I didn't stop talking. That's okay. I, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> you didn't kick me, though. You're lucky, Zoe, I didn't hear you with your bad word there. Did I say a bad word? Yeah. How do you spell that bad word, no. Zoe? No. <laughs> don't do that Trixie data business. <laughs> anyway, you guys have a fantastic day, and uh, we'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. <laughs> this program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.